This week's Escape Pod is brought to you by Audible.com. More after the story. For your free audiobook, go to audible.com slash escapepodsff. Escape Pod 168 July 24th, 2008 Today's story, Family Values, by Sarah Gange Hello and welcome to Escape Pod. I'm Steve Ely, and today we have a short but fun society piece for you. It strikes me as the sort of thing Jane Austen would write. If Jane Austen lived in an alien liquid culture that barely resembles our own. We present Family Values by Sarah Genge. Miss Genge is a doctor in Madrid, Spain, and has been making a big splash since early last year with many fiction sales to markets like Strange Horizons, Helix, and Asimov's. She's also a member of the Daily Cabal Writer's Circle, which puts out good flash pieces every weekday. So check that out at dailycabal.com. This story first appeared in the science magazine Cosmos in August of last year. The story is read for us by a voice familiar to many of you, Alistair Stewart, who among many other projects is the host of our horror podcast, Pseudopod. If you haven't heard his work there, I have to say, Al's outros put my commentaries to shame. By the time you hear this, Pseudopod will have posted its 100th episode, and it's a great one, one of the best stories of H.P. Lovecraft. If you get any joy out of being disturbed, you owe it to yourself to check out Pseudopod at pseudopod.org. Senator, I knew story time. I delivered story time. Senator, it's story time. Family Values by Sarah Genge Senator Wu accepted Twing's seed out of courtesy, although she had no intention of conceiving his child. Twing, of sales, had thrown this party in his house in her honour, but he wasn't as free with killer jewels as he was with genetic material, and Senator Wu wasn't prepared to funnel the heat donations of her two crash mates to bring another man's child to the world. She acidified the paws in her tentacle and waved it around, letting the current carry away the dead spores. She smiled at Twing, and a wave of blue burst from his centre and radiated towards the thin membranes that rippled on the edge of his disc-shaped body. He didn't look bad, but he wasn't as comely as Senator Wu. Her body was an almost perfect sphere, and she was well aware of it. Wherever she went, she took care to rotate every few minutes, lest gravity pull on her too long in any one direction and tug her gelatinous figure out of shape. Although she was tired, Wu was careful not to show it. Her pregnancies were progressing nicely. The eldest fetus, Hu, was about to be born, and she was getting too big for parties, but the Senate elections were only months away, and her visible pregnancy gave her an advantage she could not afford to waste. Aspiring Senator Breeder was angling for a permanent seat, and Wu disliked the woman openly. Wu's seat was not in question, but if Breeder were appointed, it would be seen as nothing less than a personal rebuke of the people to Senator Wu. Breeder was too young to be fertile. Wu's size and roundness reminded everyone that experience was on her side. She drifted off to a group of men and watched them preen for her, responding graciously to their advances and admiring their rainbow of colours. Most of them were senators, and she regaled them by pumping blood into the small, sexy capillaries that could be seen through her transparent gelatin. "'May I dance with you, Senator Wu?' Wu whirled around. 
I'm sorry, you startled me. The young man went crimson around the centre and purple on the edges. We were sorry to have discomforted him. It was indelicate of her, but she had been caught off guard. He turned away. Oh no, please, stay. It is good to be startled now and again, don't you think? Especially for an old politician like me. Monotony is the seed of detachment from the people. She let the phrase trail, and, sure enough, the man picked it up from there. And distance from the people's needs leads to corruption. Yes, he said, the perfect school response we were expected. At least he didn't seem mortified any longer. His colour was almost back to normal. But nobody here could call you an old politician, Senator. Last year's energy resolution was everything but conservative. I understand how you got the children's vote. Only a mother can make someone feel so loved and cherished. Senator Wu squinted at him. Was he flirting? It was his right to do so. Nobody would dream of denying a young man's right to secure a place in a crash, but most of the younger generation didn't dare make advances. Her kudos was too great, her crash was too stable, and the chances were slim of her adding another mate to it and risking confrontation with her existing partners. The older men never gave up, of course. Even having a child by her or publicly donating energy towards her ongoing pregnancies would give them a huge boost on the political level, but Wu couldn't tell what this young man wanted. I was greatly honoured by the children's vote, she said. I sometimes think they perceive things on a non-verbal level that adults are simply immune to. Getting the kids' votes makes me feel I'm floating in the right current. I feel I'm projecting the right image and that they know I'm telling the truth. Wu fell silent. She hadn't meant to get so personal with this stranger. The man smiled and nodded. You are right. There is a truthfulness about you that can be easily sensed. I am a teacher. I understand about children. Was he mocking her? Teaching was such an honour that it was almost always awarded only to those who had age and wisdom to accumulate kudos and endorsements. A teacher? Aren't you too young for that? I am teacher of the muddy waters, and I recall a certain senator who was invested soon after her first marriage. Wu smiled, relieved. She liked this teacher. He was a good dancer. Senator Wu had never been known for her agility, but at least now that she was pregnant, she had a good excuse. She shouldn't have worried. Teacher knew all the tricks, leaning against a wall to propel her weight across the room, using the delicate currents of Twing's house to twirl them both with dignity and grace. "'You've done this before, haven't you?' Senator Wu asked. "'Dance? It's a required course in school, Senator Wu.' She stung him lightly with her tentacle. "'Stop that. You know what I mean.' You know how to dance with a pregnant woman. He shrugged modestly and launched into the next round with gusto. After a while, Wu excused herself and floated around for a couple more hours, playing politics in three dimensions and enjoying the taste of the water. Twing was always good at throwing a party, and he sure knew how to scent his house. Wu wondered if he'd give her the secret recipe. Maybe if she hinted at bearing his child? No, not even Twing was stupid enough to believe that. She sighed. Improving her homemaking skills would really put her a step above Breeder. Once in a while, she saw a teacher exchanging pleasantries with a lesser academic or revolutionaire. He always seemed to know when she was watching, lifting his food up to her in salutation and forcing her to nod her approval of the woman he was floating with. It was always a different lady. Teacher of the Muddy Waters seemed to be doing well for himself. By mid-morning, Wu was exhausted and desperate for some sleep. She propelled herself towards the back of the house, hoping to find a silent room in which to rest before returning to the party. Breeder hadn't shown up yet, and it was unthinkable for Wu to leave before confronting the woman. 
Twing's house was not modest, and she ambled along the corridors until the music and gossip were no more than a faint hum behind her. She lay on a cream futon, buckled herself down against the current, and fell asleep. A sharp rap woke her. Slightly dazed, she checked the time, realised she'd been snoozing for hours. Senator, teacher of muddy waters, entered the room. He looked as fresh as he had twelve hours ago when the party started. Senator Wu sat up and tried to look as dignified as she could with the blues of sleep still clinging to her tentacles. It is rumoured that aspiring Senator Breeder is on her way. I thought I'd wake you. I am very grateful. That was thoughtful of you. Wu remained groggy and surely not looking her best. She rose, tried to get the colour back into her flesh. Breeder would be rested and eager for a dialectic war. "'Well, if I'm ever going to make it into your crash, I should start looking out for you now, shouldn't I?' said Teacher. Wu laughed and felt a healthy pink fill her capillaries. Teacher of Muddy Waters laughed too, but for a second she wondered if he wasn't half serious. "'You are a daring man,' she said. "'I haven't even begun daring yet.' teacher accompanied her towards the hall, and they stopped in the corridor, just out of sight of the party going on inside, and listened. Wu had learned this trick early on in her career. Best to know the crowd's mood before making an entrance, and people spoke loudly when they'd gone long without sleep. "'She's not here!' That could only be aspiring Senator Breeder's voice. "'Well, a woman of her age—' It is totally understandable. No, don't wake her. Senator Wu is a valuable asset to the Senate. We must take good care of her. She is not as young as she used to be. Wu tried not to giggle. Breeder must really learn to be subtle. Teacher grinned. I shouldn't laugh, said Wu. She's got a point. I had to sleep, and it's just like Breeder to focus on age and not on the pregnancy. Oh, well, I might as well go in. The harm is done. No! Teacher grabbed her by the tentacle. I believe we can still save face. With your permission? Senator Wu started to pull away, but then she felt the heat flowing from his appendage to hers. She was dumbfounded. Nobody gave away killer jewels this easily. She threw her head back and channeled the energy towards her babies. With this donation, who would be born in less than a week? Are you sure you want to do this? she whispered. Teacher pushed her against the wall and pressed his disc to her sphere. Wu felt her skin stretch and dilate, offering the maximum surface to the heat transaction. Her capillaries slinked towards the surface of her skin, warming her blood and channeling it deep into the secret bulges hidden in the centre of her body. He transferred fast, ten million zetajoules and counting, and he didn't look tired or seem to want to stop. Wu started weaning Hu off and directed most of the energy to the younger fetus, after all, she didn't want to give birth here and now. He broke off what seemed like an eternity later. A grey tint shimmered on the fringes of his disc, and he shivered. Wu glowed bright orange, and anyone within two feet of her would be able to tell that she had received incredible amounts of heat. "'That should do it,' whispered Teacher. "'Nobody can fault you for leaving a party to get energy for your unborn children. Good family values.' Breeder is never going to recover from this. Wu glided towards him. She had never felt so good. Water tasted so much better with energy in one's body. Colours shone brighter, and Teacher looked pale, but incredibly attractive. Why did you do that? she asked. I told you, he said, leaning against the wall for support, panting. I plan to be in your crash some day. I thought I'd let you know that I might not have much kudos, but that there's something to be said for youth. There certainly is. 
Do you want to go in with me? People should recognise your generosity, she said. No, an anonymous donation will be better for your kudos. He was right. Breeder would realise that Wu remained sufficiently attractive to receive heat on her own account, not for her political position. You are astute. Senator Wu took his tentacle in hers and squeezed it. You don't need to do that, he said. I know you don't want my spores, and I understand. But Wu massaged his tentacle until she felt his seed float into her paws. I don't have to, but I want to. Who knows? Someday I might have energy for another child. Before she left, she took the rhinestone pendant that was draped across her front and handed it to him. This will get you into a Senate hearing if you ever need to. It will also guarantee that you will be heeded. Senator Wu pushed open the doors and nodded gracefully as the room fell silent. People crept up to her, reveling in the stray wisps of heat her body emanated. Teacher had been right. Aspiring Senator Breeder would remain aspiring, and nothing more. And that was our story. I did say it was a short one, but a bit too long for Flash. The impressive thing to me about this one was the world-building. Without ever stopping the plot, you feel like you've come to know this culture and what's important about them. It takes real skill and finesse to do that, and I'm looking forward to seeing more from Sarah Genge in the future. This week we're brought to you again by Audible.com. They are the Internet's leading source for spoken word audio, and they have over 40,000 titles for you to choose from. I've talked before about their Frontiers line of original science fiction, but one of the great things about a subscription to a place like Audible is that it frees you up to try new things and broaden your horizons. One of the best non-fiction pieces I ever got from Audible was an unabridged narration of The Origin of Species by Charles Darwin. And you know, it was worth every minute. Every educated person has heard of this book and knows about the controversy it still generates even today. But how many of you have actually read it? Do you know what it actually says? I listened to it, and I found it to be remarkably clear and lucid. What also surprised me was how much of Darwin's personality comes through. In later chapters, you can actually see him getting into flame wars with other scientists. It's nice to see that some things in the world don't change that much. You could make this your free download if you go to audible.com slash escapepodsff and sign up for a free two-week trial. Even if you cancel the trial, you get to keep the book. Once again, that's at audible.com slash escapepodsff. Let's take advantage of extra time and do a feedback double shot to catch up. Escape Pod 161, Alien Promises, by Janny Lee Simner, was a young adult story about visitation by aliens and the commitments we make to each other should such a thing happen. This one was almost universally liked. DKT captured the spirit of the feedback very briefly when he said, What a lovely little surprise of a story. I don't know if I was more caught off guard by its optimism, or the fact that I wanted to throw my arms around its optimistic approach. Lots of people said, as Leafield did, I was worried when Steve mentioned that it was a YA story, but by the end, the story seems to have won just about everyone over. Many people talked about similar promises they've made, or would have made. Cuddlebug wanted to let everyone know how disappointed she'd be if we left her behind. There were some critics. Vance gave it, quote, a solid meh on the shoulder shrug scale, and Corydon said, This story is in the worst tradition of YA fiction, the after-school special, in which the protagonist learns a valuable lesson. As a kid, I was suspicious of that sort of thing. As an adult, I really can't stand it. And finally, we had person after person give high acclaim for Anna Ely's reading of the story. 
That really made her day, so thanks. Escape Pod 162, God Juice, was an adventure story by M.K. Hobson about a strong, smart-ass heroine who goes to a planet for a poker tournament and wrangles over an artifact with phenomenal cosmic power. This one also got solid positive reviews, if not stellar reviews. Azure said, I love this story. It helped me get in touch with the aging, vain, jaded, but still hopeful six-foot-six Amazon within me. Scatterbrain said, Intergalactic poker playing Amazons? Escape Pod just keeps getting better and better. The archetypal comment would have to be Dark Knight JRKs, who said, Not a bad little adventure yarn. I compliment the reader for this piece. Many others said the same thing in different words, that the story had flaws and maybe wasn't great, but was fun and well-paced. Evo Shandor was the only true hater. He said, Should have skipped it. I am tired of the whole plucky, never-wrong female protagonist and the cowardly, irredeemable male villain. Add in masturbatory prose, more interested in sounding like Joss Whedon and showing how clever they are than actually telling a story. No one else had that degree of problem, though there were several interesting observations. Quince pointed out, It's good to know that far in the future, the Texas Hold'em fad will still be around. And a couple of people found an odd parallel that hadn't occurred to me between this story and Escape Pod 150, This My Body. As Poultrymancer said, Another story about magic sexy sweat? I had no idea this was such a big fetish. Thank you, Poultrymancer. I'll refrain from any finger-licking anything comments. Hey, guess what? Escape Pod is a production of Escape Artists Incorporated and is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. You can share us all you like, but selling us or changing us will make the invisible pink unicorns cry. If you like what you heard, please help spread the word. Tell a friend, blog about it. In my head, there's a corporate water cooler somewhere on this earth, where, instead of Survivor and Lost, everyone's talking about last week's escape pod and podcastle. If I'm right, and that's your water cooler, drop me a line and let me know. We'll come up with something cool to thank you. Do check out PodCastle at podcastle.org. And once again, this week is Pseudopod number 100. So if you haven't heard Pseudopod before, it's a great time to give it a shot. Congratulations to Ben and Al and the whole Pseudopod team for making it happen. Our music is by permission of Daikaiju. You can hear more from them at daikaiju.org. Our special closing song is I'm Your Moon by Jonathan Colton. Does it have much to do with the story? Well, it's non-human characters, and there is politics involved. Mostly, it's just the best love song ever written about the declassification of Pluto as a planet. I hope you enjoy it. You can find more like it at jonathancolton.com. That was our show for this week. Our closing quotation comes from Ronald Reagan, actor and, oh yes, president, who said, Politics is supposed to be the second oldest profession. I have come to realize that it bears a very close resemblance to the first. We'll see you next week. Until then, have fun. They invented a reason And that's why it stings They don't think you matter because you don't have pretty rings I keep telling you I don't care I keep saying there's one thing they can't change I'm your moon, you're my moon We go 
The rest of the world looks so small. 